We have uh, two readings this morning. Um, the first is Colossians 1, 15 to 23, um, and that can be found on page 1182. And then the second one, um, for those who like to keep their fingers in the Bible, readings is on page 1161 and will be 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. So starting with Colossians, the supremacy of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Turning now to one. 6, 1, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. The Ministry of Reconciliation. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we tried to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, 
and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for those readings, David, and for the way in which we were praying just before then, that was something that was very much laid on the hearts of the worship band as they were preparing before the service this morning, of that need for the healing in our nation. And as we look in this celebrating the God who, whatever he does, this morning we're looking at celebrating the God who reconciles. And I think our praying just now tells us, doesn't it, about the world in which we live. A world which seems to revel in division and conflict. A world in which one group pits itself against another. We live in a social media world where people will retreat into their own little bubble and will just focus on the things that they feel comfortable with and are not willing to face up to different opinions and different views. And so we end up with little pockets here, there, and everywhere. And those pockets then tend to react against each other. And if you look at public discourse generally, it's always somebody against somebody else. It's never listening to one another and trying to come together to a common view and a common opinion. So I guess the gift of reconciliation is needed today perhaps more than ever before. So hands up those of you who have at some stage or other have had to become a reconciler. You've got some very well-behaved children in this church who never argue with each other and where the parents never have to stand in to be reconcilers. I'm surprised at that. Um, actually, it's just as bad in the workplace, isn't it? The number of times when I know that that particular part of the organization has been daggers drawn with that bit and they've been pretty well not speaking to each other. And on one horrendous occasion of hearing of, of two people who were sitting at opposite desks, this is before email, and the only way they would communicate was by passing bits of paper between each other. Reconciliation, we need it in all different parts of our lives and our working. But maybe for some of us here this morning, we're longing for reconciliation. Maybe there's been a family rift of some sort or other and you're desperate for that rift to be healed. Maybe there's somebody who's been a close friend, and yet something has happened which has destroyed that friendship, and you long for that reconciliation. Maybe you yourself sense what Paul wrote about us being alienated from God this morning, and you long for that reconciliation with him. This morning we celebrate the God who reconciles. Because reconciliation is woven deep into the character of God. Reconciliation is one of Paul's favorite words to describe what Christ has done for us. He uses it more than some of the words we'd usually associate with Paul like redemption and justification. Reconciliation is there so frequently for him. But as those of you who've been involved in those processes of reconciliation, 
Reconciliation is always a journey. It's very rare that it just happens like that. But it's actually a journey of bringing two people together, walking gently with them and bringing that reconciliation. It's a journey. And that story, that journey of God's reconciling behavior, God's reconciling character, it is actually the Bible's big story. Reconciliation, first and foremost, is a divine journey. In the beginning, God, so the Bible starts. And it's great, isn't it? It's all very good. It's all fit for purpose. And then it all gets smashed to smithereens. Like a beautiful pot that's been standing for many years on the hall table. And somebody knocks it onto the floor. And it's in pieces. And from that point on, there is a journey of reconciliation. There's disunity, there's hatred. The gift of creation is raped in the name of progress. Personal hatred degenerates into murder within about two chapters at the start of the Bible. Political systems are devised to favor the already rich and powerful. And all turn their back on God. Yet the remarkable thing about God's journey of reconciliation is that God does not give up. God does not give up. Despite the mess that we've created, despite the mess that's there, God persists in wanting to bring reconciliation. It's a long journey, isn't it? That journey through the scriptures. It starts as God walks with Abraham, blessing him to be a blessing to others. As he uses Abraham's family, chooses them to become a people for God's blessing, to bless others. They're rescued from Egypt. They're brought to the land God intended for them. God persists with them despite all the ups and downs. Even leading to them being taken into exile because they've been disobedient. But God does not give up. That song we've sung just now, and I've always struggled with those, those um, words about your, it's your breath in our lungs, until we got to the end of that, and, and it talks and refers back to that passage in Ezekiel of the Valley of Dead Bones. Because that's what God says. He says, I'm going to put my breath in you, and you're going to praise me, and I'm going to change you, and I'm going to bring reconciliation through my bringing you back from exile so that my journey of reconciliation can continue. In his great love, God enters our world in word made flesh. In obedience, the Son endures life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So that as we found in our readings this morning, we might be reconciled through his blood shed on the cross. As a high point in reconciliation in what Jesus has done. But God's journey of reconciliation doesn't stop there, it continues. Because the life-giving spirit creates a new community from those who are reconciled to God. And are then also then given the task of ongoing reconciliation. That's you and me this morning. That ongoing task of bringing reconciliation. And one day the recreating God will complete that journey of reconciliation with a renewed heaven and a renewed earth where reconciliation will no longer be needed because we are reconciled with each other, with God, and with creation. 
It's a beautiful story of a long journey, and we're only in a part of it at the moment. But we're on it, and we're in it. It's a journey of reconciliation with God on central stage. But it's a journey which has cosmic significance. Because reconciliation is a cosmic journey. I don't know whether you notice that in both the readings. It's much clearer in Colossians, but it's there also in 2 Corinthians as well. Because the journey of reconciliation is much bigger than anything we can imagine. We naively, perhaps, and selfishly become very self-centered as human beings and think that God's done all of this for us. He hasn't. Well, he has, but not just for us. But it's for the whole of creation. Because he made it all. In Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him and for him. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's the scope of reconciliation. And it's there too in that 2 Corinthians passage in, in verse 19. God was reconciling the cosmos to himself in Christ. It really is that big what God has actually embarked on in his journey of reconciliation. God is interested in the whole cosmos, all 13.8 billion years worth of it and any multiverses there may be as well. All of it he wants to bring together and to be reconciled in his divine journey. And it's not only the physical things either, but it's also the powers and authorities he seeks to bring into a place of reconciliation. The fractured political mess that we see across our world. Brexit, US-Iran, Sudan, Yemen, South Sudan, oppression in China. You've got your own places you would add to that list that are on your hearts to be praying for reconciliation. The prophets dared to believe in a day when spears would be turned into pruning hooks that image of political reconciliation. God's intentions for reconciliation of the created order are one of the foundations for us as Christians being involved ecologically and environmentally. It's part of the work of reconciliation that God calls us to. So reconciliation is a divine journey. Reconciliation is a cosmic journey, but reconciliation also is a personal journey for each one of us. And it's perhaps that story of reconciliation that we're most familiar with as we read of all that Jesus has done for us, of our own personal relationship with God, being capable of being reconciled. And each one of us who knows and loves Christ as Savior and Reconciler will have a story to tell of our own journey of faith. Maybe this afternoon when we're at the picnic, find somebody out you don't know and ask them how they came to know Jesus and see, what, uh, see where the stories go from there and be encouraged by each other in that. Because that original fracturing of relationships puts each one of us out of kilter in our relationship with God, a relationship that needs to be healed and where we need to be reconciled.
Paul's clear, isn't he, in that, in both our readings this morning from Colossians. He says, once you were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled you in Christ. Once you were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled you by Christ. A wonderful story for each one of us when we come to know Jesus. The fact that we're forgiven, that we're loved by God, and that we're reconciled with him. That all of the damage and the, and the past and so on has been healed and reconciled. And a reconciliation then which gives us hope for the future. A hope built on that reconciliation with God. It's a gift from God. We can't earn it. We can't mend the brokenness by ourselves. We need a skilled healer to mend the fracture and make us whole again with God. And because reconciliation is a gift, we have a choice. We can either receive it or we can reject it or ignore it. To reject the gift is to remain alienated from God. But to accept the gift is to become, in Paul's favorite phrase, in Christ. That we're reconciled in him. We're brought into his presence. It's okay. And he puts his loving arms around us. We're reconciled to the maker of the universe by his grace. I hope you know that this morning for yourselves. If you don't, come and have a word with one of us after the service or ask somebody sitting near you how to help you to find it. So reconciliation is a divine journey. God at the, foot, at the front of it, God at the center of it. Reconciliation is a cosmic journey. It's that wide in its effect. Reconciliation is a personal journey, but also reconciliation is a community journey. It's a community journey. Reconciliation with God may be personal, but it's never private. Our personal reconciliation in Christ is always to be lived out in community. There can be no such thing as a Christian who doesn't need the church, God's community, because we are reconciled into community, into the community of his people. One of the, the focal points that we agreed on earlier this year as a church was that of meeting together. And that's an outworking of reconciliation. That is, we are reconciled personally with God, so too we are reconciled with one another and brought in to a reconciled and a reconciling community. One writer takes that phrase about the peace with God in, in Romans by saying this, the community's experience of enjoying peace with God is the tangible mark of being reconciled with God. It can't be otherwise, can it? Jesus said to his followers on that night before he was, when he was betrayed, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And what did that love entail? It entailed reconciliation. And so the love that we have for one another also is to have that hallmark of being reconciled to each other. Those people we find it hard to get on with. Those people who we always seem to rub us up the wrong way. The people we always seem to rub up the wrong way as well when we meet with them. We're called to be reconciled and brought together.
It's over 20 years ago now, but there were some issues here in Christchurch which had a real opportunity of actually splitting the church into pieces and us going in different ways. And I can still remember, as I think probably some of you here were, were there as well, that we held a service of reconciliation on Ash Wednesday evening as we came together to seek God's forgiveness for some of the words that we'd said to each other, for some of the ways we'd behaved towards each other, and a place of actually coming together in peace and reconciliation. And praise God, he worked in that service for ministry of reconciliation and brought us together as one people and has taken us forward since that time. But it was needed, it was hard, but God did it. But it's a community journey of us keeping together. Not saying, I don't like that anymore, I'm going somewhere else. But actually sticking in there and saying, I don't like it anymore, but I'm going to work with this and try and be reconciled to those who I disagree with. Or the directions that we're going, or whatever it might be. Because that journey of reconciliation provides future hope as well as healing of the past. Paul expresses that in, in community when he writes to the Ephesian church. And remember, he's, and the words I'm going to read now, he's writing to a church which was made of Jew and Gentile, perhaps the, the most stark split in the first century of two groups of people who did not come together. He threw brickbats at each other. And yet, in Christ, they are brought together. Christ himself is our peace, he writes to the Ephesians, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands and regulations, what was his purpose? To create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Incredible words, aren't they? You made the two one. And that's true for each of us as we come together in community. Sister Uva Maria is a Rwandan nun and she, she wrote this about meeting and forgiving the person who had murdered her father during the genocide. I drew the conclusion that reconciliation is not so much bringing together two people or two groups in conflict. Rather, it means re-establishing each other into love and letting inner healing take place, which then leads to mutual liberation. That's part, isn't it, that as our own relationship with God is reconciled, and as the Spirit indwells us, so we are given that ability to work alongside and bring reconciliation and to be reconciled to others. She goes on, and here is the importance of the church in our countries, since her mission is to give the word, a word that heals, a word that sets free, a word that reconciles. It's not going to be easy. There are always going to be tensions that are there. One uh, Croatian theologian reflecting on some of the Baltic conflict described the tension like this. How does one remain loyal both to the demand of the oppressed for justice 
and to the gift of forgiveness that the crucified offers to the perpetrators. That's always going to be there in reconciliation, that tension between the, the justice on one, on one part and, and the, the, the sin that is being um, done by others. But if there's going to be reconciliation, those two have got to be brought together and healing's got to take place. But to actually do that, act of reconciliation changes lives. Any of you here who've done any study of theology um, at university or, or, or beyond will have come across the German theologian Jürgen Moltmann at some stage or other. And his story to faith is incredible because he came to faith as a German prisoner of war in Derbyshire. He was near to the haze at Swanwick, which some of you will have known and have been to for conferences. And nearby there were some Dutch Christians who came from one of the cities that Moltmann had been responsible basically for destroying along with some of the others of the German army. And the Dutch Christians said, we want to come and talk to these prisoners of war. Moltmann was horrified. What were they going to say? But as they came, they shared with him reconciliation and forgiveness. And it changed that man's life. And he's now one of the foremost of, of Christian theologians of the last century in the early part of this. And written incredibly on what it means for Christ to have been crucified. But it brought that act of being willing to go to the other to seek reconciliation that changed that man's life. Because reconciliation too is a, is a journey in which we all take part A Ugandan theologian heavily involved in reconciliation in Rwanda and Burundi draws attention to reconciliation being both gift and invitation in that 2 Corinthians passage. It's a gift to us. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through, through Christ. But there's also an invitation that he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Are we willing to put that into practice? Are we willing to take part in this journey of reconciliation? Paul goes on to say, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's fantastic. And we take part in that as we receive it. But are we also willing to take up the invitation of the next bit that he commits to us the message and ministry of reconciliation? Are we willing to be reconcilers? with each other within the Christian community and outside it. We're called later in that uh, reading to be ambassadors, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. The writer goes on to, to talk about us being resident aliens as ambassadors. We're in a foreign country because we're in a world where reconciliation is not one of the key themes, but we're called to represent the God who reconciles in a world which needs it. Listening is going to be at the heart of that in our reconciliation. So in helping people to Christ, we need to listen. Talk to those who've become Christians on the Alpha Course over the past 12 months or so, and they speak of that of the way in which God, they were allowed to ask questions, that they were listened to, 
and it helped them on their journey. Very often in that listening, we have to listen to two different stories from the protagonists and very often have to create a third story which brings them together. But what does some of that look like in, in practice? We have opportunities within the Anglican Communion for bringing reconciliation where we are, not just in this country, but, but, but across the, the world as well. We've seen some of that also in the, ro the role that um, Bishop James Jones had in the Hillsborough Inquiry and with Graham Tomlin and the work that he's doing following the Grenfell Tower disaster and seeking to bring reconciliation with, with, the, with the mess that, that's around following that serious fire between the local community and the council and the, the local community and, and parliament and so on. We're all called to participate in God's journey of reconciliation, whether that's with our squabbling children or grandchildren, whether it's warring sections in our workplaces, whether it may be a situation in our local community, maybe helping a family member to be reconciled to Christ. And as we receive the gift of reconciliation, let us be willing to take up the invitation to be reconcilers, because that is how we will celebrate our own reconciliation, as we bring reconciliation to others. Reconciliation is a divine journey, is the source and goal of reconciliation, is God himself. Reconciliation is a cosmic journey, all authorities and powers, all of creation to be reconciled. Reconciliation is a personal journey. If we long to see reconciliation in our relationships with one another, we begin with our reconciliation personally with God our Father. Reconciliation is a community journey, reconciled individuals in Christ called into the reconciled community of Christ. And reconciliation is a journey which we participate in. It's both gift to be received and invitation to become involved. So the challenge for us this morning is will you act on both for God's glory and for the reconciliation of the cosmos? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that in Christ you have reconciled us to yourself. In Christ you have reconciled us to our brothers and sisters. And in Christ you send us out to be reconcilers in the world. We pray for James and for Archbishop Justin's team as they work. We'll pray for each one of us in our own situations that you would give us your spirit of reconciliation to bring your peace where there has been hatred, to bring your love where there has been enmity, and to bring your glory where there has been disaster. Amen.